Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Talking Celluloid. I am Sam. I am Todd. I'm Rich. Today we are talking probably a part one of Stephen King movies, because um, mm-hmm. we're definitely going to do more of these. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it just felt appropriate considering that we've talked about a Stephen about King movie basically every episode except oh, no, for the Star every Wars episode. one. I think Star Wars was the only... Oh, oh yeah, we, we still talked about one. I think we yeah. did, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, what what is it about uh, Stephen King that that you know elicits this in us? Uh, he rules. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's he's just such a staple of American fiction, you know, especially this time, you know, um, or I guess modern since the seventies, really. And not to mention the fact he's prolific as fuck. So you can't throw a stone in a movie rental house in the you know you, without hitting something. So, well, yeah, that's no. that's the interesting thing is like I I compare him to our modern day Charles Dickens. So sure. Charles Dickens has has stood the test of time, but in his age, he was known as like a pop fiction writer. He would be the John Grisham or Stephen King sure. of his time, and you know his language was simple, his plot lines were more approachable, and the the rumor is that like people would that couldn't read would get together pool their money buy a copy of the book and pay someone to read it to them in a, like victorian style audible yeah. and i think stephen king <laughs> hits some of those same notes like he has he has a wide enough body of work that basically anything or anybody can find something to like in sure. his his catalog yeah sure. Now, I've talked about this on a previous show. I don't do a lot of reading of fiction except for comic books. I mostly read nonfiction. So I come to this as virgin to his uh, actual works in terms of reading them. But I've seen quite a few of his films. And what I like about Stephen King films is that there's always something unique about them. They always have weird kind of pacing that goes all over the place because there's twists and turns. And he has interesting characters that do weird things. So I like Stephen King movies quite a bit. I've watched quite a few of them. I realized as I, I was think that character thing is, mm-hmm. is very important because yeah, yeah. his character is rich and complex. And that's, that's kind of a critical thing for horror. Uh, because if you don't care about the characters, you don't care about the monster and what they do to them because there's just, there's no establishment of, concern you know you don't have to like a character to care about what happens to them right but they have to feel real enough to to hit that note right <laughs> absolutely i mean and there's there's stephen king tropes and i've read um a whole bunch i can't even count the books that i've read um but a, a lot of them todd may i recommend since you're a nonfiction uh fan mm-hmm. uh dance macabre and on writing even if oh, you're yeah. not a writer okay. um on writing is a fantastic book and it's really, it's, it's both amazing, really inspirational. And like, even if you don't, um, yeah, even if you don't even aspire to be a writer, it's just, there's great storytelling elements in it and suggest it's just, it's fantastic. And dance macabre okay. is just fucking great. I feel like so. dance macabre would be a great show if they made it now and let him still dive into modern horror and, yeah. and where it's been and where it goes yeah. because dance macabre covers not just like horror fiction. It covers like radio Ooh. shows and like, you know, these teleplays all the way up to like eighties horror movies. They, they even like dives into Blair witch in the intro. I think it may yeah. be a revised, but yeah, dude, it's, it's freaking awesome. He's so, yeah, yeah that's cool. Well, and it's, it's it's so obvious that he has just a wealth of knowledge on this this topic, and it, it digs into some of the cornerstones of horror. So, you know, 
I, I think of characters as being the skeleton of a horror story, but then you know you you have these senses as as the circulatory system that that feeds you know all of these appendages because horror is a genre of the senses. Like yeah. you can have the anxiety in the mind, but ultimately when you get into the horrible and and scary things, it's how they feel, how they what they smell, what they see, what you know all that sort of stuff. That's what drudges up the horror in us. Yeah. Uh, so another thing that like I think about specifically with with Stephen King is I, I kind of compare him as a writer who almost feels like a musician because a lot of the times he his is stories, a musician, so that yeah, makes sense. Since since he kind of will go over the same passages or you know same uh, inspirations from time to time, it almost feels like an improvisation on on these twenty six letters in front of him. I mean, he definitely has motifs there that. I mean, trope motif or like, but he, no. his books have like, you're right. Kind of like an ABAC kind of thing. Yeah. I dig it. Well, and he, and he's so prolific that it's, it's something that everything that can be said about an author has been said about Stephen King at some point. Oh yeah. And, and, and none of it has stopped him. He's written great books. He's written really bad books. He's written some trashers, but, yeah. <laughs> um, and he, needed an editor real bad. IE Tommy knockers. Yeah. Holy fuck. I read that this year. Well, he wow. also, he has an awareness <laughs> of, about, you know, himself and the world around him yeah. to the point where, you know, sometimes he has been basically prophetic and like guessed things that have happened after he wrote about them. Um, so, well, before we dive more into the Stephen King topic, let's talk about just what we've been watching lately. That's not Stephen King. Oh, yeah, I did go to another movie festival, but I don't have to talk about it too long. I went to the South by Southwest movie festival. It's the only other one that I'll probably go to because... Uh, COVID created these scenarios where people could go to, to movie festivals that normally they wouldn't have access to. Um, it was a good time. The most amazing thing I saw there that I want to encourage people to look out for when they hear about it is Alien on stage. I was telling Rich about this last night. Uh, basically, it's like watching a Christopher Guest movie, like Best in Show, or uh, why am I thinking of missing other Christopher Guest movies? Oh, but, my, well, yeah. Yeah, Mighty Wind, uh, Spinal Tap, things like that. It's like watching a Christopher Guest movie, but happening in real life. It's about a bus driver's union, like a real bus driver's union in rural England that did a community theater play every year. And one year they decided to take the movie Alien and make a stage show out oh, of it. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. And I am on board. Uh, the show is ridiculous, but the movie is just an interview with them as they find out that the show is initially a failure, but then it failed locally, but somebody spent money to bring it to a big theater in London. And it's about them going to perform the show at this big theater in London, but it's all these cheesy effects and this weird acting and they say the lines all wrong. And it was hysterical. I like I liked it. I didn't watch quite as many films at Sundance. I saw 37 at Sundance. I saw 25 at this particular uh, showing, but it was good. I had a good time. That sounds super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to push you into the, the area of, uh, of controversy here, Todd. Rank mm -hmm. your, your digital film festivals. Like, which, which one was better? Ooh, Sundance had better top shows like top tier movies. South by Southwest was a little bit more consistent. Like everything I saw at South by Southwest, I was giving between three and four stars. Oh, Where nice. at, Sundance, at Sundance, there were more like twos, two and a halves, uh, but there were also some four and a halves at Sundance. So 
I would say Sundance gets the top premiere movies, but South by Southwest is pretty consistent and fun. For those that don't know, Todd is fairly stingy in his reviews. Like I I looked at his letterbox this week and we found a perfect bell curve. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I I had to explain that to Liz because she's like, oh yeah, he liked that movie. He gave it like a three, three and a half stars. She's like, that's a good review. I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) like anything (laughs) above one two is good. Yeah, I'm pretty stingy with the reviews. I like to keep that bell curve going. Like, yeah, I rate most movies as a four or five. I was like, well, yeah, me you know, too. Like, we're, we're looking for some nuance here. Yeah, yeah. I see too many movies to rate fours and fives. It would be <laughs> <laughs> excessive. Very long yeah. graph. But that's some of the stuff that I saw I uh, there. I liked it. What did other people see? I, I rewatched Monster Squad and then followed it up with the documentary yeah. Wolfman Has Nards. Fuck yeah. Pretty fun. I, I liked it a lot. Also, uh, the the documentary The Last Blockbuster is is the fun little background Ooh. chatter sort of movie. You have like Ron Funches and a, a bunch of like other people talk about the the last blockbuster in existence that is in Bend, Oregon, and it's a fun time. I saw that last night actually, based on your recommendation. It was it was good. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, still going. I was surprised by that. I thought I thought it was about the closing of it, but at the end of the movie, it's still going. Well, I I found this this like nostalgia as I was watching it and just, you know, thinking about, you know, yeah, I used to go to Blockbuster on a a Friday night to pick up some DVDs. And, you know, even like when I first started dating Liz. Yeah. Yeah. We used to, um, when I lived in my first uh, apartment in college was a block away from a Blockbuster. And like, there was a couple of times where the world shut down because of a blizzard and like, you would still put on your snow boots and trudge up to the Blockbuster and rent a bunch of shit. You know, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was good times. Uh, well, I decision. also think that a lot of my my love is were franchise blockbusters. I don't think that I had a lot of love for corporate block, blockbuster stores, no. but some of the ones that I experienced were pretty well, cool. Well, I, I used to go to Premier Video and like a little mom and pop thing. I think there was a couple in Minnesota as well. Um, it was like a small chain. And then also like our grocery store had, that was like the big one was that like yep. my parents would do the grocery shopping, drop us off in the video section and be like, you got an hour to pick what the hell you want to watch. So just look at all the boxes and We'll come by I still when we're remember done. those shitty clear like yes. VHS sleeves. The squeeze ones. Yeah. My favorite was to squeeze the bottom and you had to shake the fucker out. <laughs> and a little green sticker that said yeah. horror that would go yeah. on them. There's like I saw a rug that was like the green horror sticker. I think Fright Rags has That's awesome. It. And I was like, God, I wanted to buy it, but there's no way that would fly with the feng shui of this house and i would it would be like cool take that to work with you (laughs) and la doesn't have basements so you can't just like relegate it down to yep nope it's just maybe uh maybe once one month a year i could probably rip it out but that that's just a no buy um i'm trying to think we have a genre party (laughs) yeah uh that's actually how um the, the horror movie podcast started was we used to have horror nights where people would come over to my house and watch like my bloody Valentine and shit like that. And then we're like, you know, we curate it. Like we do Italian night and shit like that. So, Mm. um, yeah, I'm trying to, honestly, I'm drawing, we've been watching Veep the last couple of days and, um, you've been watching a lot of TV lately. Um, Mm. just cause like work has been so crazy. It's hard for me to like a TV show. I can kind of come and go out of the room a little bit better. Um, but we've been watching Veep, which is great. I'll tell you what we watched from start to finish is Ted Laszlo. Dude, yeah. that, that show it's is so, so great. It's, it's exactly what I needed in my life at that. And I didn't even know it. It's I just so needed, wholesome. It's the wholesomest thing I've ever had to the point where the cliffhanger kind of upset me. Because like yeah. you finally and I'm like, no, don't do this. Don't do this to me. Don't become a shitty 
like thing. I want you to just be the happiest show I've ever seen ever. And I love it. So if you like uh, Ted Lasso and and want something that hits a kind of similar note at sometimes, but is a lot more like just crass and vulgar, check out Brock Meyer. You Brock already Meyer told me and I watched area. it. I watched it. Already. Yeah. It's fantastic. So good. But yeah, both of those are, are sports shows that I can happily recommend to people that don't give a shit about sports. Uh, yep. And that's 100% me. So. <laughs> I'm not a soccer fan. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to try. I'll have to try that out. Yeah, dude, it's it's worth it. It's so good. I, I've also been rewatching Atlanta, which it like I love that show so much. And for fuck's sake, just give Donald Glover money. Just yeah, just do just it. Give him just whatever he wants to do. Yeah, just let him do it. Like stop getting in his way. Just pull the dump truck full of money in front of his house <laughs> and say, "Here you go. Here's some cameras. Make it happen." Yeah. Well, like the second season of that show, like a lot of them feel like mini movies and yeah. it's, it's so good. I've heard that. I have not actually seen it myself, but I, I highly recommend it to both of you knowing your tastes a little bit. I feel like both of you would have a great time with that show, especially now that Lakeith Stanfield's blowing up Brian Tyree, Henry, um, I, uh, Zazie beats like ever, everybody in the show is becoming big. Oh, and they deserve it. Nice. Well, yeah. I I remember a movie I saw. Ha. Okay. Ha. Did you guys? Uh, did you guys? I can't. I think I might get the name of it wrong though, because it wasn't that memorable. Was it Little Pieces? The Little Things? Little Things. With oh uh, yeah, the Denzel, Denzel Washington. Oh. Yeah. Did you guys see that? I did. I, I missed it, and now it's in theaters only. And now oh. I'm really like, eh. uh, dude. Yeah, I'm. It, meh, it's a good. It's kind of cool in that it's. It is like I know all the reviews are saying it. But it's true. It's like a 90s thriller throwback along the lines of a kiss the girls or the bone mm-hmm. collector kind of thing. Yeah. And on that element, it was fun. I was like, oh, I know this water. It's not well paced. And there's like really like, I don't know, Todd, did you notice how like every five minutes we were, we were waiting for Postmates to come and it was running like 40 minutes late. Uh-huh. And like every other scene, they go, you want to get lunch? You want to get dinner? You want to get breakfast? And it's like, what the fuck is happening? I'm so hungry. A lot of that, yeah. <laughs> like every other scene, they say that shit. And we're just sitting there. It's like, everyone's eating all the goddamn time, except for us. Where the fuck's my Thai food? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that movie is like, not that exciting. No, but it's, uh, but it's got like a good ideas, but it just didn't You get Denzel at about 60% effort. Yeah. The crazy thing is uh, Jared Leto was... The best part of that movie was, but he got nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actor, which for me was like a little intense. Yeah, uh, he didn't get into the Oscars, luckily, but he was like being considered, which I thought was a bit extreme. But yeah, he's the best part of that movie. There's a great sure. scene where he's getting interrogated that I like. Oh, that was really good. Yeah, that was yeah. like like I said, there was there's was nuggets in it. I think it was poorly edited. Um, the, it just was there wasn't enough there, I, or what was there wasn't explored correctly. So. See, th- that's what what's actually stopping me from watching that movie is Jared Leto, and I have an admitted bias against him. Like oh, I, I can too. handle I Payday guy. Denzel, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, like Jared Leto, like he's he's a talented guy for sure. But for whatever reason, a lot of the roles that he played, like I loved him in Requiem for a Dream, and not much since. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about a Sex Cult Island? Like for Thirty Seconds to Mars. I have not. Um, oh, I think he like owns an island or like their band does. And you can you can buy a VIP ticket to like go to the island and watch them perform. And then for an even more, you can spend an evening with Jared Leto. So, man, I would so not pay for any of that. Holy <laughs> yeah, shit. Know, right? like, wow. I liked their first album and they kept making music. And I was just like, no. 
Wow. Yeah, not my thing. Um, but uh, I'm good for you, Jared Leto. But no thanks. I was about to say, just wait for three years for that documentary to come out. Um, right. <laughs> Speaking of Jared Leto, it's going to be called oh. "I Want to Destroy Something Beautiful." <laughs> yeah. I like that. The uh, speaking of Jared Leto, I saw a movie he is in for a brief moment in the Snyder cut of Justice League, um, and it's longer. <laughs> that's that's what I've got to say about it. It's longer, and it it actually does make more sense. It depends on if you like the original Justice League. I didn't like the original Justice League that much. This makes more sense. Is a little bit better, but still is God, it's long very long i hated the original justice league and i didn't want to i didn't care yeah i and i think my one of my biggest like gripes with it will not be addressed at all is because like i hated steppenwolf i thought he was a boring villain and i am a big proponent of you need a good villain for a good superhero movie if you don't have that locked in place it's going to become one of the later batman sequels yeah. <laughs> no, Steppenwolf is there. He's still pukey and bad, um, but he is kind of contextualized better. I mean, what the film does a lot of is just trying to make that really kind of condensed edit that Joss mm-hmm. Whedon put together just breathe more and make more sense. Uh, is it worth four hours? Probably not, but it was, you know, interesting enough. I watch enough movies that I didn't mind it, but it's... Um, I don't know. It's still got that like really dark tone that is hard to nail with these, especially when you have superheroes running around. Like there's just no sense of humor about it or no sense of um, levity, which for me is rough in some of these. I don't need it to be ultra jokey like a Marvel movie. I, I don't know. It was it was like watching a soap opera for three hours and then there's an action scene that takes another hour yeah i'm, I'm yeah. still kind of waiting for hbo to roll out the button that like podcast services and audible have where i can just watch the movie at one and a quarter speed ah. oh that'd be <laughs> i uh, i i i think one martin scorsese talking shit about that he's like how long until we can just power through it or whatever uh, well, martin scorsese should really not be making that sort of yeah, comment no shit the irishman holy shit i talk about shit falling off. off your game god i turn that shit off dude i mean no offense to it i mean it, may, it might be great we were watching it and it's just like do you want to I, yeah like, i couldn't i love martin i i just couldn't i yeah, I, I, I made it through shit. that movie and i was just like what oh yeah not my bag that's for sure like my my favorite martin scorsese movie now is after hours because it's the only one i can think of that's under two hours mine's bringing out <laughs> the dead um, that's a good which one we talked about the other day um one I'm starting to like more, I know I already went with one movie I saw, but this ties in perfectly. I saw Martin Scorsese's uh, The King of Comedy, finally. It was the first okay. time I'd seen that. Uh, I don't know if anybody's seen that recently. or I haven't yet, but all, a lot of people have recommended it to me and yeah. said that it kind of hits the like taxi driver sort of vibe. It's like uh, Joker was basically a combination in many ways of Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy to the point that when you watch King of Comedy, having seen Joker, you're like, oh my God, this is for a split second, your mind almost convinces you that it ripped off Joker uh, until you realize that it was made decades earlier. Uh, but they're they're very similar in some of they use and some of the stuff about obsession. And I mean, you even have a couple of the same actors. So it was interesting. It's a great movie. I really liked it. It's probably my second favorite Scorsese now actually uh behind i'm a big raging full bull fan but raging i love it. it 
I would recommend the King of Comedy to people. It's uh, got a nice little performance by uh, Robert De Niro that is uh, quite special, I would say. Nice. I'll have to check that out. Uh, Joker was Todd Phillips, right? Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Todd, how do you feel about sharing the same person name as that guy? I, I, it bothers me. I'm all for a good Todd representation. And so I don't know. I'm, I, he's, he's like a mediocre Todd, I would say. He's still a part of my life or a fondness for um, old school. I kind of mm-hmm. like that movie. I'm sure it doesn't hold up, but I like I, that. I think mediocrity is is the name of the game that like yeah. he's he's definitely not bad, but he what he thinks he's capable of and what he's delivering, I feel like there's a pretty big gap between these two points. Yeah. I think him getting nominated for an Oscar was not good for his ego. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out in his next movie project. <laughs> I, I give him props for like going away from comedy and trying to do something darker with Joker. I mean, like, yeah. I like, I'm all for people exploring and going off, you know, especially directly. Well, that I like, but yeah, everything yeah. I've heard about Joker is that, yeah, the best bits of Joker were just lifted from Scorsese, Scorsese movies. Right, right. But at least he's yeah. trying something different, you know? I'm, I'm all for that. We'll see. I'm interested in seeing what he does next. Well, w- when we're on topic of, of people going down dark paths, uh, let's talk about <laughs> some Stephen King. Yeah, hell yeah. All right. Do you guys want to start with your worst list or your top five or your top list first? So my worst list only has two movies on it because I thought oh, we were yeah. just picking a worst one and then I just suck at things. So I narrowed it down to two. Okay. I have, <laughs> a, I have a big list, including alts in case somebody says okay. the one I pick. So oh, why, don't wow. I go, why don't I go last? I, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. So, um, all right. Can I start with the one that the ones that I hated? Yes. All right, so these two movies, in my mind, are are kind of tied together because they form a subgenre of Stephen King that I like to refer to as OSHA horror. And these are <laughs> Graveyard Shift and The Mangler. Sure. Both of these movies involve the terror of giant industrial machinery and what it can do to a human body if you're not careful around it. And I think that this all comes from, like, Stephen King worked in an industrial laundry as, as yeah. a young man. And... Both of these movies, despite, you know, tilling similar earths to one another, feel very different where like Graveyard Shift is probably a better movie, but it's not fun. And Mangler is a much worse movie. But if you saw Mangler with the right group of people, I could see it being a lot of fun. I so, have not seen either, but I love the Mangler short story. And it is also kind of stupid, but also really fun. Yeah, and they kept all the stupid parts. That's kind of the problem with the Mangler movie. So Um, the Mangler is essentially what I call Toby Hooper's shame because it is probably the worst movie that his name is attached to. You have Robert England in just terrible costume makeup as the owner of the machine. You have this machine that gets struck by lightning and they accidentally uh, pull off a demon summoning ritual by just a bunch of like circumstantial stuff happening at the same time which is in the book which is ridiculous yeah so you end up with an evil laundry press and an evil icebox do not forget the evil icebox it makes an appearance in the movie (laughs) it's it's so bad um but then it also ends on a note that has just aged so poorly the the underlying idea is that all the wealthy and powerful people in town have fed parts of their body to this thing for their power and wealth. And it finishes with like, beware of people missing parts. I feel like that does not play as, as well in a, a, a di- yeah, like be mean to people with amputee or who are amputees. Ugh. Hmm. 
But at, at the same time, you have such weird stuff. Like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs is the protagonist in this movie, and he still delivers every line in the same way. <laughs> It's quite the movie. All right. Well, I mean, oh, uh, the, the one thing I do like about The Mangler is it is the only movie I can think of where somebody wearing a long coat gets it caught in a door, which is very much the reality of anyone who's worn a long coat ever. Hey, Richard, have you ever owned a duster? I, <laughs> I have a, a wool coat, but not a duster. I, oh, I don't. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, the duster is the same. Of, yeah. Like there needs to be more action movies where the guy's looking all cool and he closes his car door and he's like, shit. But yeah, uh, so Graveyard Shift is my actual like worst movie, and it involves a a textile mill and a giant rat bat monster that's just killing people as they're oh, trying to clear that. this thing out. I've seen and yeah, it's it's got some okay stuff, um, but it's not very fun. The protagonist is terrible, and you just don't care. You're just like, come on, hurry up, monster, eat these people. Very nice. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I that that's ringing the rat bat monster and it, that that's all bringing a connection i haven't seen it in many years but you're not missing out on much Todd, what'd you pick for your worst my least favorite were uh ones that unfortunately i think rich likes so this this could be we could get in a, a major all-out fight here it could, uh-huh. it could get brutal uh no my least I'm taping up my hands now <laughs> my runner-up for least favorite is maximum overdrive which i know uh-huh. some people like but it just doesn't work for me at all um and my my least favorite though is dream catcher which we've already talked about <laughs> but i just can't get into that movie i and also i have an aversion to all of the the uh uh poop and farting uh, humor because uh i'm just weird like that and it's like my one there's definitely a lot of that it's my catcher. one thing i can't handle in movies very well so it it causes a physiological reaction in me uh that film and i just don't like it that much so those are those are my two that I think I put towards the bottom for That's him. But, I, I uh, honestly you know. think that Dreamcatcher is one of those movies that you have to kind of be in into the Stephen King universe to appreciate. Sure. Because yeah. a lot of it just ties into other stuff. And then as it stands on its own, it just feels weak. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess like I was saying on our episode, um, I, I like 50% of this movie I found interesting. And um, I it's weird. I hate fan service when it comes to like Star Wars or Marvel movies, but like mm-hmm. when it comes to Stephen King, something I enjoy, I'm like, hey, Derry, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I know I re- I recognize that I'm a hypocrite. Um, so yeah, like, um, Maximum Overdrive. I don't think you're gonna get any flag from that, buddy. That's also on my worst as an all. Oh, yeah, he is. Um, um, really, <laughs> really. I unironically love Maximum Overdrive. Uh, I don't know what it is about that movie hey. between Emilio Estevez as Lisa Killer Pop Machine, the the bulldozer scene or not bulldozer scene, the uh, steamroller scene. Uh, you're Lee Smith before he became Lisa Simpson. Yep. Like, there's just a lot of like fun little stuff in that movie. Don't get me but, wrong. Yeah, I get this bad. I, I mean, I like. I I will watch it again, and I yeah. won't. And I won't be mad about it. But I understand that it's a bad movie. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's consider... not a movie that I'm going to watch sober while like paying attention to. I'm going to smoke weed, drink beer, and laugh at that movie. Yeah, like totally. that's what it's for. 
Yeah, I think Maximum Overdrive, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to rewatching and give it a try. I've retired Dreamcatcher, though. I've seen it twice, yeah. and it's that's, now... That's, that's fair. That's it's fair. now retired from my mind. It's, <laughs> it's over. Goodbye, Dreamcatcher. That'll do, Dreamcatcher. <laughs> That'll do, Dreamcatcher. <laughs> what about you, Sam? What'd you have? Okay, so I'm going to go through a list, because some of these are... So Maximum Overdrive is off. Um, just I'm just going to talk. These are the ones I don't like the most. Um, thinner... I didn't like the movie, and it was the only Stephen King book written by Richard Bachman, as Richard Bachman. Um, I couldn't finish. I was like, fuck this shit. I'm done with it. Oh, I wow. hate this book. This book sucks. Um, the Langoliers, but the Langoliers. I like that one a lot, too. That's fair. Hey, man. I like thinner. <laughs> what a, hey, man. No hatred. No hatred, man. Um, you know, just for me, I didn't like it. Um, hated the book. Um, the Langoliers. Okay, here's the thing about the Langoliers. Is it bad? Yes. Will I watch it? Not all of it, but I will fast forward and watch parts of it because it's fun bad. Like it's so bad it's good in a way, but it's bad. Yeah, that's a real last halfer movie. <laughs> and then there's like, okay, so Lawnmower Man and like Creep Show 2, they suck, but like no one was really expecting them to be good either, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and Lawnmower Man isn't even really, it's got the Stephen King name, but it's nothing like the short story in Night Shift. The short story is about literally the devil or a demon. It's one or the other. Um, showing up and yeah. wanting to eat your grass naked, right? And then, like, if you don't appease him and don't let him eat your grass, he'll, like, torment you or kill your family or some shit like that. Um, not the uh, virtual reality movie that we all know and um, hate today. Um, then, Luckily, I don't think anyone even knows that movie anymore. I feel like that one deservedly fell through the cracks of history. But what about yeah. Lawnmower Man 2, Job's War? What happened? That was the sequel. Uh, um, oddly enough, my friend had a Lawnmower Man 2 Job's War mouse pad for his freaking Gateway well, that 2000 was a computer. <laughs> sure it <That's>, was. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, but then the ones I'm going to talk about is The Shining. Not the Stanley Kubrick Shining, even though everyone knows I'm not a very big fan of it. I understand that's still a great movie. That mm -hmm. piece of shit made for TV movie. And I get that it's closer to the book. I tried, I, I found a version of it on YouTube and started watching it. That is unwatchable. Sorry, Mick Garris. I met you in life. You're a wonderful man. I love your podcast. That is a terrible, terrible piece of work right there. Um, it's got uh, Steven Weber from Wings, one of my yeah. favorite childhood shows I used to watch on USA Network when I was a kid. Um, it's just, it's badly acted. The CGI is i mean it's the same thing with the langoliers it's like it's low budget but with new technology that people probably sh if you weren't good at it you probably shouldn't have been playing around with it mm -hmm. um everything looks like a screensaver uh yeah anyway it's just it's real bad and i don't like it um and it's not worth revisiting and then the only one i'm my the one i'm finally going to talk about talk about and this might be controversial are it's chapter one and two mainly two um, mm. I do not like these movies. I think they're too funny for their own good. I think there's too many jokes in it. I got the, the kids were friends without having new kids on the block, weird cutaways and, um, uh, the fucking just call me angel in the morning while, uh, uh the lepers puking on the dude's face for no reason. Other, it's just weird. It doesn't make sense. Um, obviously I, appreciate the fact that they did little cameos to the turtle and um the um 
the ritual of Chud at the end of part two. Um, obviously, they took liberties. They still made it a clown spider, which is fine. Um, but it looked shitty. And I just, I don't like these movies. I think they kind of miss the magic. I would say that the 1990s miniseries is actually better than these two films. So for me, personally. So yeah, I, I like both of these, but I... I could see where you're coming from on this. I don't just necessarily agree with you on yeah. on it. Um, but it does... The story, it dredges up some really interesting things in all of its incarnations because it is a story about childhood. Yeah. And how childhood itself is a nightmarish place that you spend a, a certain amount of time on or time in and then eventually depart from. Like childhood is your dairy. And I, I think that that's part of what makes the It movies work. I agree. Like this chapter two was nowhere near as good as chapter one, in my opinion. Um, and despite having like good casting, I don't think that all of the the adults really nailed their roles. Like Bill Hader right. was great. but yes, was great as Richie Tozer. And, and Jessica Chastain is a great actor, yep. but I, I didn't get, I don't know. She didn't click as Bev to me. And James um, McAvoy McAvo or McAvoy? Yeah. I McAvoy. never remember McAvoy. Um, he looks like a Bill, but he just yeah didn't he just he didn't nail it. the feel yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I rewatched uh, part one going into this because yeah, I had a feeling that this might be one of your your lower yeah. ranked. Uh, and I have it in in my top list, so I wanted to kind of reevaluate it. Um, but like some of the stuff that did stick out to me that I liked a lot were, you know, the kids do feel very authentic, the way that yeah. they talk to one another, the way that they relate to one another. I actually didn't mind the humor. Like I felt like it kind of helped cover a broad spectrum of, of emotions in this movie. Um, but like also just stuff like capturing that, uh, that possibly gone era of just being kids unsupervised and, you know, you were geographically limited, but what you did was like, you just go to a place like, Oh, we're going to the lake. What's at the lake, the lake. Yeah, like right. that's, that's the plan. Let's go no. hang out at the lake and stuff like that feels just authentic to me. Plus there's just a ton of Easter eggs in this movie. If you rewatch it, oh, yeah. Pennywise is all over in the background and I dig it. I, you here's, know. here's my thing. I, I get all that. And there's parts of that that I like too. It's just, I think the humor, I think the jump scariness, every time there's like cool tension, they kind of like undercut it with a and like fast. That they do a I, lot in part two. And that oh, I really that's do. the worst part of part two. I was going to say part one is like, it's not bad, but as I, as I'm looking at these two movies as a whole, really. Yeah. And like part one, I liked, but I was like, it's too funny for its own good. Um, I didn't like all, like, it just didn't, I, I don't want that much levity in my, that many jokes in my horror movie. I want to, cause you're, cause I, I, I want to ramped up. I want to be scared the whole time. And with like little breaks of, Haha, that was funny. And then yeah. go back to being scared. I don't want to like have joke breaks every five minutes. Um, that's fair. That's and like, when I think about these movies, I've seen part one, 10 times and I've seen part two, like once. I've, and I've saw uh, again, part one, I, I'm not hating on as much, but there's a really good podcast called um, Best Movies Never Made, where they bring in a bunch of guys um, to talk about the, on the uh, Terry Fukunaga. Yeah. Um, it, see, I would have loved to see uh, that Chapter too. one uses a lot of the Fukunaga script, and then chapter two is all uh, the Mush oh, Andy Muschietti. Muschietti. Okay. And that's why chapter two 
you yeah. know, it misses. Well, and Carrie Fukunaga is a incredibly talented director. Like, but I can't really seem to get anything stuff. off the ground anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, I don't know what's it must going be a on. Nightmare with that. to work with is what I'm guessing. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so that's just mine. So I'll, I'll retire. I'll take my comments off the air. <laughs> no you're allowed to have these feelings. they're wrong but you're allowed to have them. I don't, one of the things that i, I liked rewatching it is just like this this sheen of filth that's across like every adult in this this universe and it just like oh they're gross it just yeah. squicks you out yeah like you're just like oh all of these people are terrible they did the adults better in this than they did in well it's obvious upgraded our movie you can show a little bit more than like um I love the stuff with Bev in the bathroom in this one. I thought they did that really well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and that that's pretty much like that's as close to the book as you're going to yeah. get. Yeah. And I, I, I do like that there, there were times where they stayed close to, you know, the original book and there are times that they departed, you know, stuff like I was a teenage werewolf is not a movie that has stood the test of time. So like right. the references to that aren't going to, they're not going to resonate the same way that when that first came out, it did. Yeah. Fair. well let's go into our tops todd hit us so for me number one is the shining uh so it's one of my favorite films i've talked about in a previous episode um about it ruining my life as a child it still kind of ruins my life as an adult when i watch it i uh I don't know. I really enjoy it. I think it's a good story. Keeping in mind for everybody, I'm the one who doesn't read the books, so I have no connection at all. It's not that I don't care. I care if people, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. it just doesn't impact my viewing of the film at all. I just think it's a great story. Uh, I think Jack Nicholson gives an all-time performance. I uh, love it. I think it's a great film that is creepy still as an adult and uh, still freaks me out a little bit. So that was my number one. I'm also in Shining for number one. And I, I echo everything that just was said by Todd. How about you, Sam? What was your number um, one? I'm going with a, another made-for-TV. Um, I guess it's a miniseries, but I consider it a movie. Uh, Storm of the Century. And Ooh, that's I, your number one. I, it is my number one, and I'll tell you why. It's the I remember me and my mom sitting down and taping this, watching it as it aired and taping it. And I've watched this so much. I think this was like the perfect seed for a young kid because it's not too scary. It involves children. And it like it's just such a cool story about, and as you get older now, you like hear about Roanoke Island or Roanoke and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, that's where you got the idea from, you know, and stuff like that. And it's just such a cool story. It's well, again, has an actor from Wings. I can't remember his name. I should have looked that up. Timothy something. Or really? Tim, something. Tim Daly. Thank you. Um, he does a really good job in it. Uh, the, um, antagonist is great. Um, it's got, I distinctly remember the antagonist from this yes. movie and then, yeah, I, I haven't cap. seen it in over 10 years, but yeah, I remember him being great. What's the wolf cane? Um, it's, it's really fun and it's worth checking out. I think the only way to get it right now is in, um, there's a Stephen King 10 movie box set that's been going around the chain stores that has like all the miniseries on it and um, some of the lesser known movies um, mm. from the nineties. I think that's the only way to get it at the moment, but I feel yeah. like I might've found a copy on YouTube recently at some point, but yeah, like a lot of these have kind of just died at the point of DVD and have never made it to streaming. Right. And I know there's better movies that are going to show up on my list. I also try to avoid the really big ones. Like we all agreed not to do like um, Shawshank and, 
stand by me and shit like that for this list. Well, but, yeah, we, we all kind of agreed to stick to the scary and cause yeah. that's just it. It's like, yeah, if you start adding in the sentimental ones, like there's, this gets too muddled way too quick. Right. So, um, but yeah. So when I think of my love with Stephen King, I think it's starting with storm of the century. And then, you know, I mean, it was like, I had known about it. I had known about the stand, but I didn't think of it as a Stephen King work until me and my mom sitting down and watching storm of the century. So there's a lot of sentimentality in that one. That is fair. Uh, Todd, how about you? What's your number two? My number two is Brian De Palma's Carrie, which is one of my favorites. I think it's one of the most beautifully shot films. It just looks cool. And it, what's interesting to me is it's a film that is, is creepy and scary, but like it does a very good job in the first hour of setting up these characters in really interesting ways. And like, I love the dramatic music and uh, I just think overall it's an effective film. The ending is iconic, but I think it's a solid film from beginning to end. I love John Travolta <laughs> as this like goofy uh, bad guy. And I enjoy just all of the scenes. It has a uh, great direction. I, I love it. So Carrie's number two for me. Nice. Well, Carrie want... is is an interesting character because she is both villain and victim. And yeah. and this movie does such a good job of hitting that and like just how poorly she's been treated by her mom. Uh, I, I also have this somewhere on my, my top list. My number two is The Mist. Uh, yeah. So The Mist is Frank Darabont's pure horror um i i think the only thing that really holds this movie back in my opinion is the the cgi of the time i feel like this could be remastered uh i just don't think it'll ever will be well, just watch the black and white version and I, yeah i'm, I'm gonna give that a shot now that you've recommended it um but this this also has like just a soft spot to my heart because skeleton crew the the novel this came from is really kind of the book that i i can blame with just my love of of literature in general like I was a little kid, I stole it from my uncle's bookshelf because they had a shelf full of like paperback novels that they would take on cruises and they didn't really care because they'd stopped reading them after the cruise ended. So I took it, I took Four Past Midnight and I took Skeleton Crew because of the creepy monkey on the cover. And the, this was one of the first books that I picked and read on my own as like a second or third grader. Absolutely should not have been reading any of these books. Um, but it, it really started, you know, a lifelong, you know, love of his books and just books in general. I remember was... hiding Night Shift under my bed because it had a pentagram on it. <laughs> the cover did. Yeah, no, that's, I'm, I'm in there with you. I'm actually going to have to remove this. I also have alts for this as well. So this okay. is off my list now, but that's fine. I'm more than okay with this. Uh, my number two um, now is now I didn't have to worry about you guys picking this because it is a cheesy, schlocky piece of shit that I love so much called Sometimes They Come Back. <laughs> and I love this movie so wow. much. Have you ever seen it? I haven't. No, I'm, I'm taking notes. Um, this is the quintessential Stephen King obsessed with the 50s. Um, it's about a teacher who comes back to his hometown to be haunted by a bunch of greasers that are ghosts, yeah. demon ghosts that come back. And it's poor, what up, daddy-o? Kind of shit. Yeah, it's, um, it's a, they keep dying and re-showing up in his class, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And one like, by one. And they got a haunted car, because of course, and they drag race. And there's a course of quor- a quarry. Uh, this movie and a train track that, and a, you know, a train tunnel that was like the thing. I can't even remember the whole 
I mean, I do remember the whole thing, but like, it's so fun and it's so bad. It's like, it's like a perfect direct to VHS. And there's actually two sequels. Sometimes they come back again and sometimes they come back for more. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, Um, also, it's kind of like peak 80s and 90s adaptation of Stephen King because, like, they have, yeah, all those hallmarks and like they had not nailed the formula yet. And and there was just so much that was just being left uh, on the cutting room floor. But yeah, it it just reads. A lot of white yeah. pancake makeup was gray under eyes to show that they're dead. Um, That's, yeah, they don't even look scary, but no. <laughs> yeah, it, it so is a fun, fun movie. It's a great time. So that's my number two. Nice. It's me, right? For number three? Yep. All right. Well, I double up with, I didn't have uh, alternatives. I just am going straight with my five. So I have uh, the mist at number three, actually, instead of number two. What Same, am I, fa- I I have Carrie for number three instead of like we there just you swapped. Go. So The Mist is just one of my favorite uh, films of his. The direction's great. All-timer ending. Uh, I love it. Yep. Yeah, I did carry for number three. And yeah, I I echo all of Todd's sentiment. Like, the the style and the visual, like, just feel of this movie is everything feels, like, dreamlike and, like, it just smeared Vaseline on the, the lens. Yeah. Um, but it's it's such dark content for something that looks so you know 80 70s 80s you know glammy sort of look i do have to mention that i literally just got a text from my old um or not my old my other podcast uh co-host claire saying that she was watching carrie last night actually that oh, stephen wow. king is terrible at writing women i am not a woman i do not have that perspective <laughs> But still a great movie. I don't care. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. So um, and I'll be sure to let her know that. Um, I uh, all all opinions are valid. Um, so my number three is Children of the Corn. This is the first VHS I bought with my own money, and I love this movie. I have probably watched this movie more than any other Stephen King movie. I think it's great. I love Malachi. Outlander. We have your woman, Outlander. I'm like, I love it. <laughs> freaking love it south park did a great parody of it that has nailed it um and i love everything from the the cliche uh broken down gas house a fuel station with the old man that ain't had gasoline around here for years <laughs> like, the harbinger the harbinger the harbinger yeah the, the prophet of doom um love all that um i love the cheesy um not even cgi the rotoscoped um you know he who walks behind the rose isaac is the shit i used to watch all i think the last um sequel i was a big uh i was a big sequel vhs guy so i watched all the puppet masters i watched all the children of the horn as they came out i think the last one i watched was sixth return of isaac or isaac's return i believe um and then i was like all right i'm done i can now branch off to other uh film avenues than the children of the corn sequels um um, yeah i love this movie like i said and i it was the first vhs i bought with my own money so sam i'm glad you have a hot take on this list because i feel like my last movie is also going to be a hot take okay i'm I'm here for it it's a hot take being sometimes they come back right (laughs) yeah 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 totally all right uh what's number four todd my number four is the film we'll be talking about today, which is Cat's Eye. Uh, so it's one of my favorite. We don't have to go into much detail in it since we'll go into it more later. But one of my favorite horror anthologies. I ended up liking all three stories when I watched it again. Just big fan of it. And I like cats. Nice. So there you go. Yeah, we'll talk more about that in a bit. What's your yeah. Richard? 
my my fourth is probably it chapter one but i I feel like we talked about that yeah so Um, how about you okay hold on so that would be my uh dr sleep i love the book i saw the movie opening weekend um Mm -hmm. i really liked it obviously it's a big book and they had to do some condensing of characters i was really surprised that they kept some of the shit from the book in there um there, it was missing some stuff, which I was kind of bummed about. I, again, I had read this book two or three times and I really loved the book, um, which I know some people don't. And I get that. And I, I'm willing to like, I get that you don't want to see Danny chasing psychic vampires. I get that. Um, but I just really <laughs> like the story a lot. I like, I love Rose the Hat. I love the whole traveling, like vagabond gypsy vampire thing. And like, I love I just like the mythology that was built around them. I like yeah. the true knot. I like everything that they, um, the story that they had. And I thought the movie did a great job of showing that. And I also like kind of going back and kind of retconning some of, I mean, it's like kind of a sequel to the movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a retcon to the movie. Like let's fix some of the stuff that make it a little bit more accurate to the book. Um, and kind of like, I think was, King even said that, that it kind of yeah. felt, felt like a juncture between the movie and the book and it made him able to appreciate Stanley Kubrick's The Shining better as well. I think it looked gorgeous. Um, I think Ewan McGregor is a great actor and it was cool to see him in like, also Mike Flanagan is a great director. Um, yeah. I, I was going to put some of his other, um, I was thinking about putting Gerald's game on here and honorable mention to that because that was a good movie too. And he just, he just gets the tone of King correct. And I just, this was a good movie. It had tons, it had good scares in it. Um, I think it was, and yeah, again, the true knot is something that I think is really cool. And I would actually read another true knot book, like a prequel. Yeah. I, th- I think Rose the hat was a like terrific antagonist and like the true knot themselves, like they're, they're creepy, but they're also complex and they have their own yeah. rules and their own dynamics. And I think all of that like makes them a compelling villain. The one thing that the movie didn't do, and I get why they had to cut it out. I have not seen the director's cut and I don't know if it's in it, but what made it so fun as a book is the sense of urgency was that the little boy that they kill in the beginning hadn't been vaccinated for the measles and, or no, he was vaccinated for the measles, but it was the first, I can't remember what it was. Either way, the true not gets the measles and they Mm. have to hurry up and get this fucking little girl because her steam is powerful enough to like, save them from this and mm. it, that is interesting and that did yeah. yeah that did not show up in the director's cut as as far as i can remember okay. that was right. it just added a ticking time clock to the like the true knot and as they get more desperate they become sloppy and more vicious like they're kind of they're instead of being schemers it's just like vicious well, yeah it, it gets that animal yeah. tinge to them yeah. and and i think that um rebecca ferguson i think is who played rose the hat in in yeah. the movie I think that she really did kind of nail that sort of yeah. vibe with the character because she she's so she's reserved great. at first. And then once you have her cornered, like she starts just lashing out and it feels so like real. Right. Yeah. So that's my like... number four. All right. Excellent. Number five, Todd. All right. Number five. I went with John Carpenter's Christine. Nice. so i really like this movie john carpenter is one of my favorite directors 
Uh, I enjoy that it's such a ridiculous premise, but it really works as being kind of like, you know, scary, but also goofy. Uh, I enjoy the casting in this film a lot. Keith Gordon, who wasn't in many things, I think is great as the lead, uh, Arnie. Um, and just overall, I, I, it's a good vibe film for me. I think it's got lots of just fun music that looks good and it's a good story. So I went with Christine for number five. Yeah, I feel like that's one that like almost eclipses the book because like they they made the car yeah. very interesting in the movie. And yeah, at the same time, it's also the movie that I keep forgetting exists because I keep forgetting that know, John Carpenter did a Stephen King movie. Yeah, I know. Me too. It should be like a poster I have on the wall or something. Yeah, but... I, like, I love that movie. I just like sometimes it just yeah. vanishes from my brain. Yeah. yeah. All right. So here's my hot take. Number five. I don't give a shit. I know that it's a bad movie. I still love it. The Running Man. Hey, the bro. Running Man is <laughs> is Diet Paul Verhoeven. Yep. It is so snarky. It is so accurate in like how it you know parodies us and like was still true to the future, even though it was made in the eighties. I unapologetically love this movie. Uh, I'm excited that Ed Edgar Wright says that he's remaking this. I know. I, I, I want to see that. I want uh, I want Arnold to to take over the host and like who loves you and who do you love? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. That, another Richard Bachman. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, funny. I think that was his first Richard. Didn't he write that when he was like 17 or some shit like I that? I thought the Long Walk was the first Bachman story. Uh, okay, but maybe I, I might be wrong. wrong. I I'm, I might be wrong. So, um, but I know that he wrote that when he was young, young, young. And, yeah. yeah, and it shows. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but it's so fun and like, yeah. it, it, it's still like it's menacing at times, and like you do feel worried, even though it's Arnold. Like you know he's going to be fine, but at the same time you're like, oh, that guy's got a flamethrower, and you know you have a, <laughs> like you have a lot of like weird cameos and stuff. It's it's just a lot of fun. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. So is it my turn for number five? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, I could, this is the, now I have to just pick one from my list. I'm going to go with In the Tall Grass. Fuck it. I like this movie a lot. I love the short story written by uh, Stephen King and his son, Joe Hill. And um, I think the movie got a good, um, again, another tall vegetation horror for me on the list. Um, this movie had a good, I like, I get claustrophobic and, I, the idea of being lost in something claustrophobic like grass or corn um, generally freaks me out. Um, it has, it's kind of a similar vibe as Children of the Corn. I don't know. If, did you guys watch In the Tall Grass? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's and true. like, you know, you got the stone, you got your ancient mythology, you got your supernatural element to it all and the sacrifices and the rock. Um not the actor, like it's a, it's a big rock. <laughs> it been I was gonna say I don't remember that. by the rock. <laughs> um, uh, I I just really like the story. I like um, I like, you know, I feel the being scared between the the family and the brother and sister, um, in an intrusive Stephen King fashion. The brother might be a little too in love with the sister. 
Joe Hill kind of reins him in a little bit. I feel even when reading the short story, no, you're like, dad. Oh, yes, <laughs> you could you could literally hear Joe Hill smacking his dad's hand away from the typewriter. <laughs> it's not going to be one of those stories. Not one of these. Not this time. <laughs> You've been um, hanging out with George R. R. Martin too much. Right, right. We all saw Sleepwalker. <laughs> Shit was weird. Uh, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just like this. I, 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 again, I tried not to go with the big ones like misery, dead zone, pet cemetery, um, trying to kind of go a little deeper on, um, and I well, think it that's was the a, hard part with this. There are so many good movies yeah. and like they all have their own like vibe and, and that's, what's kind of amazing is that, yeah, all these movies come from the same author, but they all feel so unique. There's and... a reason my list is so chaotic is because yeah. I couldn't pick it. <laughs> like... Oh, believe me. I had a lot of stress trying to come up with these five and yeah. like, there's not even any that are that, you know, big of a departures except for the running man. And yet I still stressed over it. Yeah. Fair enough. We're back. Whatever. Fuck off. I can edit this. Um, <laughs> I, I can find a um, positive things to say about the stand. Randall Flag until he turns into a weird goat demon is great. You know, it's only the. Wait, page. are we talking about the 90s stand or the new one? I we started the new one and I was being kind of an asshole that night, so I wasn't appreciating it. I I, I hated it right off the bat and turned off the first. Episode. I haven't even given it a shot because yeah, I expect to to not like it. Yeah, but I still love the nineties. Well, the nineties one is great. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Like, um, one uh, we'll get into an actor from my pick. Um, actually, fuck it, I'll go into it. So I picked the Night Flyer, um, mm-hmm. and our boy Lloyd, um, played by Miguel Ferrer. I think I said yep. his name yep. correct. Um, who is great. He plays Lloyd in The Stand, the Mick Garris The Stand, which is great. He's a fantastic Lloyd. Plays a sleazy kind of like National Enquirer type photographer, journalist, um, tracking down a series of killings in airports, uh, dubbed the Night Flyer. But this guy is a piece of shit. He will lie. He's drunk. He's, he's just an all-around horrible, deplorable person. There is not a likable character in this movie. The, even the uh, there's an up-and-comer journalist, Kathleen, I believe her name was. Um, she even her by the end, you're like, oh, you're a piece of shit too. Um, the boss is comically bad. Um, but I I love it. This movie, I saw this on VHS. Um, it was supposed to have a theatrical release. It was released on HBO, which makes sense. That would this this feels like an HBO movie. So it right. has the look of the early of the 90s TV Stephen King adaptations but was way more gore and tons of fuck bombs. And yeah. it's it's kind of nice to see that aesthetic, but with like a grittier material. This is a really weird kind of cool movie. Cause like, it ha- like I said, it has that, what you come to expect of the 90s Stephen King, but with like the corners rounded off, but mm. like, but still- But the very- corners are on, yeah. And sharp as shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Like Miguel F- Ferreira is, is a- uh is great in this he's and awesome. yeah, i like him in, in the stand as well and then the line bag. the line he delivers you know don't believe what you publish and don't uh, don't publish what you believe really sticks out in this yeah and at the same time he also feels like miguel ferrero was jake gyllenhaal and nightcrawler before nightcrawler was made yes yes <laughs> totally totally um yeah todd what'd you think of night flyer 
I enjoyed this a lot. I hadn't seen it before. Uh, so for me, this was a, a whole lot of fun. I love the just horrible characters. Like I really love the editor's ruthless discussion of what sells uh, yeah. in, in, in the industry. Miguel Ferrer is so just horrible, but I like the dynamic between him and the up and coming journalist. It's kind of like just this bizarre, uh, strange relationship that you see in Stephen King uh, adaptations. Um, I get confused a little in the second act for some reason but that's just because I'm dumb but overall I liked it uh and uh I was I was confused about some of the um um lore as it was going on but then as it got to the third act I was like yes this is what I'm looking for the third act of this film is freaking amazing yeah. I love how disorienting it is and how intense it is for the last 30 minutes well the uh, last I love the, it you know the last health thing uh sequence sorry <clears throat> take that again the last hell sequence in black and white is truly unsettling. Like, yep. not only like some of the makeup, but even the makeup. Like, there's like there are scenes oh. in this that are it works. That creepy black and white overexposed, and like the the girl in the bathtub and the bag of like the bag overhead slowly starts yep. to fill up with water. That is yep. unsettling. Yes. Like. And the baby. Also, the, the thing itself, when they finally do the face reveal, that is burned forever in my brain yeah. from seeing it as a child. Even though this was a low-budget thing, that, like, face as it opened up is is forever in here. Yep, yep. The big tooth, too, which shows yeah. up in, in um, Dr. Sleep. When, in the book, when they describe Robe the Hat, it's instead of your traditional vampire fangs, it's one, one big one on the bottom and one big one on the top. And I... um. I, the the cover for this they did dirty by showing it the vampire's face. Yeah, the that, that's a that, mistake. That was, that was not agreed. That was a mistake on their end. But well, um, they also they hammer it in in the short story too, where they talk I didn't about, read the yeah, short story. So uh, oh, like it looks like uh, you know somebody drove a railroad spike you know into yeah. the necks of these people, and I, I do think it's interesting that all of us independently chose works that are based off the short stories. Like yeah. there there was no input to make that happen. But that's where <laughs> it happened. And honestly, I think that Stephen King is a writer who really you know, showcases well in the short story format. It's that, like whenever people want to get into it, I just go pick up Night Shift. Yeah, Night Shift is a perfect intro for it. I I personally lean Skeleton Crew. Like I like sure. Night Shift a lot, but like I feel like Skeleton Crew gets a little bit weirder. Sure. Like Night Night Shift, you can tell was an early book. Yeah. But there's still such you know they're both great, and yeah, I I think this really this this is his strong strongest stuff but is... this movie um i remember this on vhs for sure and watching it and even i think my mom even being like this is a little too grown up for you you got to turn this one off so yeah, interesting i liked it i like the look of the vampire i'm used to twilight so i was expecting a hot <laughs> vampire uh but well, hey he looks like a fabio yeah he, he's fab he's like fabio ish like a you know <laughs> trashy romance novel cover that's true yeah yeah i guess that's true i guess that's true but yeah i would honestly love to see this remade with a bigger budget and yeah. you know oh yeah practical effects um but yeah uh the the scene with the old lady like where she's just enraptured by him yeah and just like the the powers of the vampire himself like he's not just a who and like bite them on the neck like he's using these powers to like alter their perceptions and and force his his thoughts on them it, it makes him creepier and it's something that you don't see in a lot of vampire movies. Like it's always like, you know, there, but they almost never use it. And this it's very effective. Nice. 
Uh, this actually ties into another short story from the same collection, Nightmares and Dreamscapes, called Popsy, which is the story of a guy who's like in owes money to the mob and is convinced that uh, is told that he needs to basically kidnap a kid and sell them um, so that they can be you know human trafficked or something. So he picks up this kid who's super weird and like unnaturally strong and the kid keeps like telling him he's like well my popsy is going to find me and he's not going to be happy and my popsy can fly in around in the air and like i think the book uh the story ends with just the giant bat wing covering the uh windshield of the car as it rips it open and popsy is the night flyer oh no oh. shit nice yeah. nice, nice. Dude, now I, I gotta read nightmare and dreamscapes now this is it's happen. very good Okay, so that's mine. Let's go, let's end on you, Richard, since you have like the biggest budget, most known okay. one. Okay, so for mine, I picked uh, Cat's Eye, the anthology series. Um, I watched this as a kid and really loved it. It always kind of got to me as a kid, even though like there are references in that, which I realize now are not good for kids probably, but uh, you know, whatever. This was the 80s uh, and 90s. Um, so I watched this as a kid, loved it. It creeped me out. I think this is a great horror anthology with three stories that are delightful. Um, I like a lot of the fan service in there. So there's tons of little references and Easter eggs for Stephen King fans. Even I recognize some of them. Obviously, you get Cujo right away. But then there's just also... Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's all sorts of little uh, hints there. Uh, but the three stories, Quitters Inc., where somebody's trying to quit smoking uh james woods is just freaking outstanding in that he's not a great person from what i hear but he's no. just such a good actor yeah. uh <laughs> he he just nails this part and uh it's you know that non-traditional approach to quit uh causing people to quit smoking there's the ledge where the guy's walking around on the ledge outside uh trying to uh save his life and he's encountering all sorts of different obstacles and then there's general which is my favorite where you get a cat fighting um a little troll monster and and it's uh, Delor. It's the. Uh, it's delightful, in my opinion. So that that's my pick. I picked this is Cat's my, Eye. This is my first time seeing this movie, or I, I don't even think I even heard about this one. Um, young Drew Barrymore, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah. They really hit you over the head with those Stephen King ref. Those three Stephen King references right off the top, don't they? Well, yeah, it's it's yeah. in Dairy in the beginning, isn't it? Too. Yeah, I think so. Um, mm-hmm. and you see the circus uh, flyer on the pole with the clown yeah. on it. Um. I, uh, I I like this a lot. The ledge that's in Night Shift, am I correct, Richard? Or I think that, so. Yeah, um, that was one of my favorite short stories because it was short and it's way obviously it's more brutal and the you know whatever it's Stephen King. Yeah, his stories are always good. Um, I read a review on this last night that I think really rings through. This is um, the young adult, the teenager's introduction to Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Like oh, absolutely. Movie. And yeah, it, this is training wheels for Stephen King. Yeah, but yeah. it's really fun. Um. I love in the general, like for as far as camera work goes, there's some really cool forced perspective. I was looking it up. The budget of this was $7 million. And as I'm watching the Quitters Inc. and The Ledge, I'm like, where did the $7 million go? And then you see it's like <laughs> a, either a child or um, a um, little person um, mm-hmm. dressed. And, but it's like, there's huge beds with this. And it looks great. Like yeah. it looks fantastic. And it's like, yeah. that's where the money went. Aha. <laughs> all the money went to all the cool force perspective in the general, so, like the large set tiny person to make it look like a little uh, gremlin kind of 
goblin sorry excuse me well goblin. there's there's also that like weird like uh trippy scene in quitters inc where like steam's coming out of he- like smoke's yeah. coming out of people's yeah. bubbles, yeah. and it's like, like society yeah yeah. Norm- normally I uh, hate on the news musical cues, but I really liked for some reason uh every step you take when Alan oh my God, King comes so out great. and is singing it in that creepy yeah. way. I I I I liked that music drop. I, I have in my notes for for my movie that we're gonna talk about is that you know that it had an on the nose movie cue and that I struck that out once you picked cat's eye. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, uh, every breath you take is far more on the nose. Yes. But yeah, it's perfect in here. Yep. And yeah, th- this this is Stephen King training wheels. Uh, this is also a great uh, way to show people that Stephen King can be fun because this yeah. is fun. Stephen King, in my yeah. opinion, mm-hmm. um, this and Creep Show would be a great double feature for Halloween. Oh like yeah, a Halloween party. Yeah, like yeah. Cat's Eye before the kids go to sleep, and then Creep Show for for the second showing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll- Quitters Inc. Uh, sticks out to me as you know. I used to be a smoker. So it's an interesting yeah. movie to watch. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I like the the plot of this, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, America as, as a whole gets very caught up on all or nothing. And like, I, I think that that's why this works is because it hits that, you know, that nature of like, oh yeah, no, I'm so mad about this thing that I do that I would, you know, cut my finger off or right, electrocute yeah. a family member, you know, to just change myself. And, you know, this, this kind of like feeling, you know, as you're going down this path of like, I hate this about myself and I'm trying to change it. Yeah. This, this actually quitters think this movie is like you said, Stephen King training wheels to the part where he says, we'll rape your wife or the, I was like, yeah. that that's yeah, yeah. place. Yeah, that that line feels <laughs> out of place in the rest of this movie and it significantly does. darker than the rest of it. Yeah, I'm like, wow, okay. Um, also, this movie has the best score of any of these. Yes. Um, you want to talk? This is like, do you guys ever see the um, the Mystery Science Theater Merlin Shop of Wonders or whatever mm, episode? I seen that one. It yeah. is the goofiest Casio keyboard score ever i love it i want to have it on vinyl i, <laughs> I love yeah. it another fun thing with like the cameos early on in this movie and like i don't know like i'll have to look and see if this was established at the time so one of the things that todd you might not be familiar with or you might be familiar with from people talking to you but stephen king's stories largely are in a single contained universe uh, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of crossover among his stories. And I feel like this might have been one of the first tip-offs to that fact. Like, it gets it gets covered a lot in the Dark Tower series, but there are a lot of stories that bleed into one another in his, his canon. Mm-hmm. And this movie, with its little Easter eggs, kind of tips its hand at that. Yeah. Um, the, the third story, General, I this movie or this this segment is a lot of fun yeah drew barrymore as a as a kid could still act um it's pure cat propaganda like yes. let's be honest here um <laughs> there are some cats that would not raise a paw to save their own right no shit. but there are also some good kitties out there so i'm fine with it and that yeah, mom it, has fun. an irrational hate that mo- yes that mom, that mom is an asshole <laughs> fuck that mom <laughs> also that uh, also with, with the ledge the ledge is probably the hardest of these for me to watch because like, I actually do not like heights. So like as dumb as this segment is it, like it bothers me just the idea of being forced in this situation, but it ends with some good shot in front of, and you know, it's, it's yeah. fun. I, yeah. I, I enjoyed the ledge. I, yeah, I like I'm, the short story a lot too. 
Yeah. I'm glad you picked this, Todd. This was, this was a fun thing to go down because I remember seeing this movie with my dad as a little kid. And mm-hmm. like, this was also one of the movies that started making me like horror movies. No, oh, yeah. It's a great gateway horror film for people. It's wonderful. If they, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. Also, the every breath you take um, has a callback in the general. That is very funny. Yeah. That oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> well, and I love how, how dumb the parents are through the entirety oh, of the general, just moronic. like not getting it at all. Yeah. Moronic. Yeah. But that's how it feels as a kid. Yeah. Like you feel like your parents just don't understand you. Will yeah. Smith really touched on, on something yeah. with parents just it. don't understand. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say it was a nightmare on my street. Um, never mind. Um <laughs> also good. Okay. Uh, so should we spin into to our, our finale here? Yes, yeah. we should. All right. Uh so the movie I picked uh to talk about is 1408, which is an interesting one because I feel like this the entirety of this movie is grounded in defying expectation starting before you even start watching this movie. Because when you see a PG-13 horror movie, mm-hmm. it sets a bar in your brain of what's going to happen. And this movie does not meet that bar at all. Like, this is a movie that you can be like, oh, no, look, it's it's PG-13. Like, Samuel L. Jackson's in it, you know, uh, John Cusack. It'll be fun. It'll be fine. No, this is true, like, horror. This, yeah. this does not pull punches despite a, a lower rating. And I, I kind of love that about this. You know, I it's didn't even hour, know it was PG-13. Yeah, it's an hour and 45 minutes, so it mostly sticks to the point. But where this, this covers similar ground to The Shining, you know, we have another author and another evil hotel, where The Shining is the movie about ghosts putting their thumb on the scale of, you know, the soul of, of Jack Torrance. This is the hotel flipping the board on Mike Enslin. And I, I, I dig it. I, uh, I, I really like this movie a lot. I saw it when it first came out, my old roommate, um, Chris French, shout out to pity party her fashion line. It's fantastic. Um, this is one of her favorite movies and I hadn't seen it in a couple of years and I was really happy to revisit it. I think this movie does not every movie has to follow this formula, but I, it does it really well. And I love it when, especially modern horror follows this formula hit me fast. I yep. want to be scared fast. Then in the second act, you can take your time to breeze. And like we were talking about character development, then I'll like, then I can get into John Cusack and why I like really care about him at the end. But in the beginning, I like he's cynical. Then right. We go right to um, Samuel Jackson who kicks ass in this movie. Sam Jackson. Oh, yeah. He is commands amazing. every scene he's in. And like you get the lore of the hotel right off the bat. They, they spend no time dicking around from the moment he sets his bags. He kind of does his thing. He rips the toilet paper off, you know, eats a mint and the chocolates. And then like immediately shit starts going bad. It's like, it hits you fast. And I love well, it. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the casting of this movie because I think it was just dead. Perfect. Both yep. John Cusack and, and Samuel L. Jackson are so perfect for these roles. I can absolutely believe Samuel L. Jackson as the, you know, reserved and in control you know hotel manager who who knows better than his guest but isn't allowed to say you know what what's actually going on here and john cusack you know everything down to the like this is my last cigarette on earth you know tucked behind my ear Mm -hmm. mike enslin is you know is pure john cusack and since i didn't do my homework for adaptations i actually like listened to the audio book uh for for 1408 this morning when we were getting ready here and 
it's interesting how different this is from the the short story because the short story half of it is just the conversation that he's having with Olin the uh the hotel manager. Oh really? I want most it, of man. it actually doesn't happen, you know, like the scary stuff that they deliver in this movie it's it's largely influenced from the story, but a lot of it is just crafted on the fly and just fits that Stephen King feel just perfectly. Sure. And that I didn't even know that a lot of this wasn't in the book. Um but some of the stuff that they they deal with, like the Dutch angles uh, breaking the fourth wall in in the painting, like they mm-hmm. they repainted that painting to have an off axis uh, horizon line so that it, it makes you the the viewer uncomfortable, and they play with these angles a lot, which is a part of the story as well. Uh, but yeah, everything I I believed in this. Um, you know, The Shining is is a story about the horror of big, open, empty spaces, and 1408 is the horror of claustrophobia and feeling these walls close in on you, sometimes kind of literally. Uh, the emotional stuff with the daughter uh, was just brutal and felt, you know, felt earnest and like real grief. Um, that's even worse in the director's cut, which I, I watched for the first time getting ready for this. Um, but yeah, what did you guys think? I really enjoyed this quite a bit. For me... Um claustrophobic is a good word to describe it, uh, but also disorienting. Um, For me, the pacing of this is really the big selling point, like to echo what Sam was saying. I love that this film just gets started right away. That was one of the things is normally you're used to, you start a movie, you can still get something to drink, move around a little bit, but the movie just kind of captures you right away and draws you in. I agree that Samuel Jackson is outstanding in this, which I wasn't really prepared for like the uh, just how dynamic those conversations were at the beginning but it really gets you kind of freaked out and scared like it is funny to like build up this anticipation but then it actually paid it off like the all the stuff in the hotel room is great and it's uh yeah for me this was a film that really worked and I was happy I saw it yeah so so digging back into you know again comparing this this to The Shining you know The Shining is a story where it it almost feels like voyeuristic. You're watching what happens to this family, but you feel like an outside character just watching it. Whereas 1408, you feel like you're uh, on the roller coaster sitting next to yeah. John Cusack and the safety bar has been ripped out. Like you are a lot <laughs> of the ride. And I, I dig that about this. I even like how it like, the elements in the room change like the feeling in the room changes like when it gets cold and he's burning the yeah. photographs and like there's well no... and they never bother to explain this stuff and no. i think that that and actually makes it to. better yeah because yeah. like the, the more you understand this and the more you feel like you got your feet under you the more boring it feels and this keeps changing it up so that you never really feel like you quite know what's going on and that just works in its its favor so, yeah, and it does it in a way that's not frustrating. Like I uh, sometimes I'll find films that lack that don't have their grounding so that you understand it to be frustrating. But for me, this film just set it up well so that you had enough information to kind of have a sense of what was going on. But then it started to get really disorienting and weird. And I liked it. It was a fun ride to go along on. So I didn't see the director's cut, I don't think, because I on. Um... And for some reason, Amazon only had it for purchase. So I rented Mm -hmm. it on iTunes. So I'm not sure. I think I got the theatrical version because I looked up the alternative ending on YouTube. Yeah, there's like three extra endings to this movie. There's three. Okay, I only saw two then. Um, but yeah, like I honestly, I think all cuts of this movie are are equally good. Like they're they're different from one another, but they all like they all deliver. Sure. So I like the ending of this. Um, the ending of the only thing I didn't care for 
the ending in the movie that I rented is the one where they're at the cemetery at the end. Is that the mm-hmm. theatrical? Uh, I think that might be the director's actually. Oh, okay. Interesting. It, it comes down to who has the tape recorder. Does Samuel Olin Jackson have the, is. Okay, yeah. then that's the director's. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, oh, that's I what actually, I saw. That felt more of like a theatrical cut because the jump scare at the end felt like a studio note. Where it's like we need mm. a carry hand coming out of the grave. You yeah. know what I mean? That, I, that actually, I, I can agree with. I um, I actually like. Then I guess that would be the theatrical cut where it's um him and his wife back together. And yeah. then her, so that makes you feel like, wait, she did end up getting into the room to save him before. So she's tormented in her own hell now. Yep. You know, Cause he has that kind of, you well, just start to see a smile on John Cusack's lips right before the cam, right before the credits roll. Like he yeah. just starts to do it. And that to me is so much more unsettling. Um. Well, I, I, the, the thing that stuck out the most where like she comes into his arms oh, and okay. in, the, in the, in the regular cut, she Don't. just crumbles into pieces in the director's cut she dies first and yeah. then crumbles okay. and it's did, so much more upsetting then i did see the director's cut that was upsetting that was yeah. truly disturbing and the stuff with his dad and like that's just it is like it hits all of these these you know these sort of grief demons that stephen king characters typically have yeah and and surprisingly yeah that stuff wasn't in the book for for the most really? part wow. but it still feels so on brand that i didn't even notice it you know what? i do want to read that book though because um, my favorite part of the book, The Shining, and one of my favorite parts about this movie is I love lore. You know what I mean? I love the lore yeah. of haunted hotels. So, like, if you're telling me half of that short story is just him of those two sitting around talking about the hotel, give me all. That. I, I will give you a warning that a lot of of the best bits of that conversation do make it directly into the movie, uh-huh. and I, I think that 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 gave Samuel L. Jackson the grounding to to know exactly where to go with this character. But yeah, um, like having seen the movie first, it's impossible to like read that part and not view it as Samuel L. Jackson as, sure. as my interpretation of Olin in the book now too. Sure. Yeah. And I think that says something about an actor's performance. Yep. Oh yeah. 100%. So, so, so since we've gone through all of these, uh, I, I guess my, my question for you, Todd, is has this inspired any like desire to maybe, you know, check out some of these short stories or books? I think when I start commuting to work again, I might start with some of the short stories. But yeah, it has for sure. The short story audible collections, I'm a Are big fantastic. fan of. Yeah, because yeah. like they they tend to get like full cast, uh, not full cast recordings, but different people to read each story. And it really oh, does kind of capture the vibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that you've you've convinced me. I'm in. Awesome. I'm going to try some stuff. Right on. <laughs> well, guys, that was We'll probably do another Stephen King one at some point. So until the next time, until the next, <laughs> until time. next time. Well, uh, any pluggables? Uh, I'm just gonna say, listen to Screaming Celluloid um, if you get a chance. So I'm gonna plug the COVID vaccine if you get a chance. Uh, get oh, yeah, it. that too. Yeah, pro big ups for the COVID vaccine. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. Watch movies. Yeah, watch, watch the movies. movies. All right, take, take care, care, guys.